0: Bibles today, youth, you're dismissed. And open with me to Hebrews chapter 12 and then also Genesis chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 12, Genesis chapter 3. Everybody say the word focused. That was the word uh, that I heard from the Lord about this year, not only in my life, in our life, but in the life of our church, that we would stay focused, but on what? So I want to read this, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2. And I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version. So if you have a different one, uh, in fact, if you have New King James, it's very close. But English Standard Version says, Looking to Jesus. How do you stay focused in 2019? Looking to Jesus, who is the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God 2019 in our lives should be looking or focused on Jesus in fact the end of that verse we won't get into it today the end of it says that he's seated at the right hand of God and you know what he's doing today he is taking the prayers that we pray And he's praying it right to the Father on our behalf. He forever is making intercession on our behalf. So throw up those prayers. Take time and make sure that you pray. That's what he's doing. So staying focused. You know, it was October. We were reading through Hebrews. And we were reading um, Hebrews 11. And I was reading through Hebrews 11. And it's referred to as the Hall of Faith. It's all of those ones that are mentioned that stood and followed what God said. Yet they didn't know that there was a Messiah Jesus coming. They knew there was a promise of a Messiah. They didn't know who it was. Though it had been prophesied and mentioned, they didn't know the person of Jesus. But they followed and followed. They made mistakes. Have you ever made a mistake before? Tell your name, yeah. Tell your name, I've made a couple mistakes. Probably still will. But then they'd get back on track, right? And they'd follow after God and follow after God and get off track and start doubting him and then get back on track. Well, they're in there for us to go back and to look at their life. Because here's what's interesting. Jesus preached out of the Old Testament. He didn't have a New Testament yet. So what did he preach? The Old Testament. What did the early apostles preach? They were preaching about the Old Testament, but then they were preaching about Jesus' life and his teaching and his resurrection, but they went back and they mined out the truths of the Old Testament. The Old Testament was never termed old because it's old and done away with. So let me read you just a couple of scriptures before we get to Genesis 3. Jesus said these words in Matthew five seventeen: Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. You know, Jesus came and took care of those ceremonial laws, the sacrificial laws. You know, there was 613 things you had to do in the Old Testament to stay right. And it was only covered because of the sacrifice, 613 things to do out of those Ten Commandments. Do you know as of January 1st, there were 1,007 laws passed in California alone? 1,007. I probably broke a a law today because I have a straw in my drink. You know, there's all these different laws that you don't know about. You couldn't do it. Because the Old Testament was a bright neon sign that was pointing everybody to this Messiah. It was pointing, you you could never measure up, but when Jesus came, he came not to abolish, but to fulfill it with his life. Romans chapter 15, verse 4, the Apostle Paul says this, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance... And through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We might have hope through the encouragement of the scriptures. And I love what Peter says, because Peter would be the only one to say this. And he says this in 2 Peter chapter 1, 6. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths. We weren't following myths. We weren't creature-seeking, right? We We weren't following cleverly devised myths. We had made known to you the power of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We weren't following a myth. We weren't, some of your translations will say fables. We weren't following some story. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty, the encouragement, following after him, staying focused. You know, nobody wakes up, nobody woke up today and said, you know what, I'm going to ruin my life today. I'm going to ruin it. I'm just going to ruin my life today. New Year's Eve, I dropped off my son at soccer practice. And as I was uh, heading up the street, I noticed a police car behind another vehicle. And the police car already had his lights on and he was bumping his siren trying to get this guy pulled over and I could tell it was a young kid and he had a hoodie on and big glasses and the the minute before the police could do anything this kid ran the red light and he took up off Beach Boulevard as fast as he could go and the next thing I know he's in a full pursuit with this police officer and I thought I thought here's a young kid that just that uh, error today could be three to four years in prison in a $10,000 fine, besides all the red lights you run and the people that you could possibly injure. And I think, why would you start off the year ruining almost your entire life? But nobody should wake up and think, I'm gonna ruin my life today. But we get up and we have gotta stay focused because we're going to see that I don't believe Adam and Eve fell because they decided to ruin the Garden of Eden. You know what let's do today? Let's ruin the Garden of Eden. That's a great idea. That's a great plan. No, they didn't do that. because there was a tempter, the devil, that was out there and is still tempting today. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, let me turn there in my Bibles. Uh, I read a story that just off of a New year's family budget discussion, did anybody have that yet in their family? A 2019 budget discussion. The husband started searching through Amazon, and he saw a barbecue of his dreams, and it was heavily discounted. And he bought it, and it was delivered the same day. When the doorbell rang and his wife answered the door, she signed for the barbecue. His wife said, why did you buy this just after we were having the budgeting discussion? This isn't in our agreed budget. I just couldn't help it. The husband said, the devil tempted me. His wife said, well, why didn't you just tell the devil, get behind me, Satan? And the husband said, I did. But then he just leaned over my shoulder and he says, you know, your steaks are going to taste amazing tonight. (laughs) You know, in Genesis chapter 3, you know, we go through Genesis chapter 1 and all that God did and created And I love even what it mentions in in Hebrews 11. All that we see was created because of God's spoken word. The chair you're sitting on today was created because of God's spoken word. The clothes that you and I wear today all came because of God's spoken word. And it started, the words that we read in the scripture, the first thing that we get to see, God said, was let there be light but we start genesis chapter 3 when everything changes and i want to read a first of the few verses today and it says this genesis 3 now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the lord had made and he said to the woman did god actually say you shall not eat of the tree in the garden and you will be like God, knowing from good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Now look at verse 7. Then the eyes of both Were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, above all beasts of the field, and on your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat in all the days of your life. So Lord, we pray that as we start this year, that we are focused looking on Jesus. As we go back and we look at the Old Testament, they're not just stories or fable, they're life to those that find it. Therefore, our instruction, therefore, our encouragement. As we look today at Adam and Eve, and as we look at Cain, Lord, let us remember there is a tempter out there, but Jesus is the one that is our example because he overcame the temptation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, the very first question that we ever read in the Bible, before anybody asked a question of God, before any question was asked to one of the, the early ones that were following after God, Satan asked the question. And the question that he asked was, Did God say? Did God say you know it's the same thing that he uses today that he uses those same words did god say that he drops in those thoughts of confusion in fact i was reading a few commentaries of which i disagreed with one of them wrote that he didn't feel that the serpent spoke but he transmitted a thought to eve i'm like man i don't see where he got that Hmm, right And Eve's like, "Mm, mm, mm." no, 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 no. God always works by speaking. God is a speaking God, right? Satan uses the serpent to begin to speak to Eve. And the very first thing said is to doubt what God says. Boy, we need to be in days where we know exactly what God is saying or how he has said things. In fact, The story even gets stretched. So it's not only a a doubt, but so you can't eat of any of the trees in the garden? In fact, Eve gets confused a little bit. She says, oh, no, no, we can eat of this tree. We just can't eat this one, and we can't even touch it. Well, that wasn't anything that God said. In fact, we would know that probably should have been something he said. Don't even go near it. Don't even touch it. Don't even camp out. Don't even walk by it. But God had to do that to allow them to choose. And that's always how God is. He doesn't make you do it. Many times, don't we wish we, he would? Make me, Lord, get up in the morning and drag me. Gather an angel, drag me out of bed. And have my coffee already ready so I can sit me in the chair and open my Bible up before me and you read it today. You don't want that, do you? I'm sorry, that's a scary voice. (laughs) He gives you a choice. It's his choice. He gives Adam and Eve a choice. You know, this amazing garden that we read about that we probably can't even get a picture. You know, you go to the arboretum and you walk around. And you look at uh, whether it's the birds and the tree things in there, the ponds, and how beautiful it is. But imagine something that he just created that has been untouched, that he places man and woman in there to be caretakers of it. And the very first thing that comes is to doubt against what God says. I thought that was a great check for this year that I've got to watch the temptation of doubting. What God says. Abraham, as you've been reading through, Abraham would doubt and struggle, and you know, let's go to Egypt and, and and tell him you're my sister, Sarah. Tell him you're my sister, because it'll be well for me. Don't doubt what God says. That's where our trust comes into place. You know, Hosea chapter four, verse six says this my people are destroyed by a lack of what? Knowledge. My people are destroyed, not by a lack of prayer, not by a lack of witnessing, not by a a lack of leading worship song. What What are they destroyed by? Knowledge, understanding, knowing what the Bible says, knowing what the scripture says. It's interesting that it's misquoted what the penalty would be if you even touch it. He didn't say touch it. In fact, he goes on to say, you know, really why God doesn't want you to eat it? Because you will be like him. You'll know good from evil. You'll be like God. That was another temptation to her. I can be like this one that we've gotten to know that created all of these things. It's that self-building up. And yet what we read and what we um, read about the scriptures, which breaks our heart is they end up falling into that trap. And here's what I thought was interesting as I was reading this about God. Do You know, God has never known evil in himself. He's never known evil. He's a holy God. He doesn't understand that part. He has only watched it take place with what he's created. He's never, he's never been divisive like that. He's not an, an evil being. He's a God God of love, but he had to watch evil take place. In fact, the very first thing that happens when Adam and Eve eat of this fruit, the Bible says their eyes were open, and then what does it say next? And they knew they were what? Naked. They were exposed. They were exposed. You know, when the kids were little, 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 and you give them a bath, and you get them out of the bath, and you dry them up. They want to run through the house naked for some reason. Woo, they're off and running, right? And it's so cute. You know, it's like fun to watch. You give them a bath time and you, you drive. Them. Here they go. Woo, you know, they're off running, 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 running. It wouldn't be cute if you went to go visit grandpa over the break and grandpa decided to do that at your Christmas party or a New Year's event, right? Grandpa, that's so cute. Do it again. Do it again. No, you tackle him and you cover the guy up. They experienced shame. They immediately looked upon themselves and they were undressed. And the very first thing they did besides hiding was to sew whatever they could to cover themselves up and to hide from God. They didn't run to him to try to figure out they thought they could hide and be invisible from God. You know, Satan comes as a creature that God created and a creature that Adam named to confuse them, to twist the truth, to confuse them. But Satan never told them of the consequences. He didn't say, okay, time out. I need to give you the California warning sticker. Uh, If you eat the fruit... You're going to know you're naked. You're going to have to make clothes, which I know you don't know what clothes are. You're going to hide, and you're going to get kicked out of the garden. And one day, your son's going to come to the dinner table with a rock. And he's going to take that rock the next day, and he's going to kill your second-born son with it. And all of mankind will be cursed, and everything's going to be a mess because of what you do. I just want to warn you before you eat the fruit. That would have been a little bit helpful, wouldn't it? Because nobody would have done it that way. But there wasn't a warning that Satan said. There was the temptation. There was uh, using what God's, confusing them about what God said, misquoting, building the story. Eve was confused about what was said until they understood and saw the shame that they had. In fact, Genesis 3 7 says, The eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. You know, Satan's promises of being like God never came true. Never came true. None of his promises come true because he's a liar and a deceiver. But he trapped them and enticed them that they fell so much. In fact, wisdom isn't gained by disobeying God. Wisdom is gained because we fear the Lord and we follow what he says. That's where wisdom comes from. Is the fear of the Lord, understanding the Lord. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says this For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every aspect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Shame. In fact, we end with that verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that he took the shame on himself. You know, many Bible scholars feel that as Jesus was on the cross, some feel that he was completely on the cross naked, being made fun of. Even if you were on the cross with as little as could be, it was the shame of being exposed on the cross. He endured the shame. Yet he started his ministry not in a pulpit. He started his ministry in the wilderness. Because it was in the wilderness that he had to go through exactly what Adam and Eve had to go through. The same temptations, but he overcame every temptation, even the one that Satan would lie and say, I can hand all of this over to you. Knowing he wouldn't have to go through anything that he would have to go through. In fact, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, if you were to back up, says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, lest you fall away from the living God. You know, I like what it says, but exhort one another once a week. What does it say? Daily. I could tell you story upon story of people, in fact, Michelle probably could, people that we've met with, And when they drive on a certain freeway and there's a certain billboard, there's a drawing in them that makes them want to get off that exit and go to that place that they see. It's a temptation that has overcome them. And they try and try and try to break it, but it becomes something that the enemy has used. But he uses those things to question God, to to make you think that you can be just like God, to twist around what God says That's why it's so important for us to be focused. 2 Timothy 2, verse 26 says, And that they may come to the senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. In fact, Timothy's going to go on in that section. Escape the snare, the traps that he tries to set. Those questions are doubting God. As, we, as you were to read on in Genesis chapter 3, in fact, and I'll mention chapter 4 here in just a minute. Chapter 3, as I read this and I read it over again, is so sad to read this in verse 24. He drove out the man and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed a cherub and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the tree of life. He drove out the man, you know, as I was going through that and I was trying to look that up in what the how the Hebrew said it, it was almost as if God had to completely evict them out of the garden that they didn't want to leave. And I really, He drove them out. He drove them out. How heartbreaking to read that! In fact, the translation of "drive out" is to drive someone out of a possession. You know, if somebody was to come and you have the title of your home and they were to try to take your home, you've got the title. You can't kick me out. This is mine. Same thing with the vehicle. You have the title. It's your vehicle. But he drove out the man. He drove and had to place a cherub an angel with a flaming sword to protect that tree of life. You see where deception goes. It goes and goes, but it doesn't start with somebody getting up thinking they're going to destroy their life, it starts with a thought. It starts with a word that's thrown in there. In fact, it goes on in Genesis chapter 4. Let me read quickly verse 1 through 7. Now Adam Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And she bore another, his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, you w- will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, listen to this. Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must what? Rule over it. Boy, you think the thing for Cain to say, if, Cain, if God talked to Cain, why why didn't you like my fruits and vegetables? Are you not an organic God? <laughs> That's what to think. God could have told him he, he required a sacrifice, a sacrifice of blood that would be an example of Jesus. But notice what it says in there about Cain you must rule over that desire. You must rule over that desire. You know, I'm going to stay focused, and I pray over you that in 2019, you stay focused on the scriptures and the promises that strengthen your life. Allow those scriptures to rule over your life. Because all throughout the Bible, we see that there's an enemy that tries to twist, tries to lie, tries to plant thoughts, tries to throw words, tries to get us off track even tries to get people to think that they're God. And yet there's a great example early on, don't let it rule over you. So that asks us the question, what then should rule over you? It's the Spirit of God on the inside of us that leads and guides us in all directions. In fact, let me read a couple verses here. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, God says this, I call heaven and earth to witness." against you today, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose, what does he say, life, that your offspring may live. And I like how God does things, very simple. Hey, there's two roads. There's the road of life, and there's the road of cursing. Here's where I want you to go. Go the life way, right? Go the life way. Follow the words of life. Don't get caught in the other road. Don't go following after the curse. Listen to that voice of the Lord. Colossians chapter 2.15 reminds us what Jesus did. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put to open shame triumphing over them. That's talking about the devil, the demons, the demonic powers. He put them to shame. His power was over all of them. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote, and we did it in our communion time in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. You know, that's a bold thing to say. You know, there's two other thieves next to Jesus on the cross. One ends up believing in him. The other one curses him. But were you crucified? Were you the fourth cross? Were you slipped on the side there and went through it? You weren't there. But you were brought into that because you accepted Jesus, and Paul, to write this back then, was pretty bold to say, "I've been crucified with Christ." But he goes on and he says, "It's no longer I who lived. It's no longer me living. It's Christ who lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh." Look at your neighbor and say, "You've got to live life in the flesh." I just heard your stomach and it's lunchtime. We live life in this flesh, but the flesh shouldn't overtake us. In fact, Apostle Paul says, I live, here's how I live I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. I'm going the road of life, I'm following after the promises of God. I've learned enough. You know, we've all probably, I've learned enough what the voice of temptation is. I've learned enough. I've I've understood that voice. I want to follow the voice of the Lord. So as we close with this, I want to read Hebrews 12, 2 again. In fact, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes because I want to read this to you as a prayer over you. Looking to Jesus, the founder of, and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, endured the cross, despising the shame. So Lord, as we close out our time today, and as we look back, And we look at what happened to Adam and to Eve and to Cain. We look forward to looking at Jesus. Who overcame the shame, overcame the temptations. He is our source of life. Whenever we go through anything of temptation, we come back to you. We come back, as the scripture says, exhorting, lifting each other up every single day while it is called today, knowing there's only one God, and it's not me, it's you. So Lord, I pray that this year, in 2019, even though we're on the 6th of January, that this year... As even Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord that this year we stay focused on you and your words and what you're saying. As, and as you did with Abram, where it says, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Lord, I pray over every single one of us that this year and even in this month that we hear that, we know what the word of the Lord is over our lives. You're going to walk us through it as we look to Jesus. And with everyone still with your head bowed and your eye closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, would you pray this prayer with me? In fact, we're all going to pray this together. Repeat this after me. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he lived. And he died for me. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for bringing me into your family. And thank you for forgiving me of all of my sin. I will look to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well stand with me as we close in a song of worship. We sing this chorus come to the altar. No come to the altar. The Father's. Honor.